Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is Pablo Sabaleta. This is Troy Dene. This is Kevin Phillips. This is Jürgen Klopp and you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. Look, I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona and our socios keep us on the road. This independent podcast simply wouldn't happen without them. Please head to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now. Join us, become a socio, a member and you'll get extra big interview content every month, plus lots of bonuses. We need you. We can't do this without you. Let me set the scene for you. That uh, drone in the background that you can hear, well, that's not me going on and on. That's the engines of our Aeroflot um, airplane taking us from Kaliningrad, way up in the north of Europe, near the Baltic, down pretty close to the Black Sea, the border with Georgia and Krasnodar. Out of the window to my left, and given that it's 2.13 a.m. Um, Central European time, it, it's, it's full daylight at quarter past two in the morning. There's a beautiful blue sky. And on the horizon, you've all seen it when you've been flying, either early morning or late at night, there's a golden, golden glow, like it's like cheese on toast, something like that, or the inside of a crunchy bar, <laughs> which is the kind of description that tells you what kind of mood I'm in and what kind of day this has been. But is there a golden glow on Spain's tournament as we fly the couple of thousand kilometres in two hours, 40 minutes back down to, to base, to home, to HQ in Krasnodar. I don't know. If I was pushed, I would have a firm answer for you, but let me tease it out like this. When you hear teams talking about the mark of champions is to, to win without playing well, or in this case, draw and win the group without playing well, it's, it's a truism, I suppose, that it's very special if you can take... Um, victory or your objective out of adversity and therefore whether this is one of those glass half full glass half empty moments or not the way I look at it is that there's a repetitive pattern of what Spain's big clubs do and what the national side does and that is produce goals late on 
whether to win or to draw. Now, in this instance, I guess some of you Ronaldo fans will have been watching, because I guess you had the choice, Portugal-Iran. Um, I was, as you know, at uh, Spain against Morocco. Second half, I was pitch side behind the goal. I did what I've often admitted to doing um, in previous podcasts or in the book at Stamford Bridge in 2009, where I, I mean, this is how weird I am, where I'd heard Peter Taylor, um, the Spurs winger, ex-Spurs winger and temporarily England captain, England manager, pardon me, admitting that whichever side he was managing in 2009, they were trying to get into the playoffs. It was the 89th minute, his team didn't have the game signed and sealed and he decided to go off to the loo as a sort of lucky gesture and I think his team made it through, got the result they needed and so I produced that <laughs> I reproduced that idea at Stamford Bridge when it was Chelsea won Barcelona nil at that stage of the Champions League semi-final and lo and behold having listened to Peter Taylor's interview on Five Live a couple of days before the magic worked again and um, Barcelona got that late goal through Anders Iniesta. Well, Anders Iniesta in this instance miscommunicated with Sergio Ramos. I think it was the defender's fault that the ball was given away for 1-0 to Morocco. But the long and short of it is that uh, in the way that I felt about the, the game, even though it was balanced at 1-1, thanks to a lovely moment of invention between Iniesta and Isco uh, for that equalising goal, I felt the game needed my presence down pitch side. So I have that pitch side stance. It was clear from the organisers that there was a spare berth behind the goal. And down I went. At any rate, what a, a dramatic ending we saw because it was... And I'm going to take the mickey out of myself here uh, in order to try and share with you a little bit of an idea about what it is I do here. It, it happened to be that the Spanish uh, television that has the rights to the... World Cup chose not to be available for the interview with the coach and player at the end on the pitch. So I was told that it would be my job. And I was ready for the job and um, chose Aspas because of his uh, dramatic equalising goal awarded correctly, I think, through VAR. And therefore, the interview started off really nicely. It's a short, sharp, crash-bang, wallop thing where you want to make sure that you get a couple of quick points across to the, the viewers and let the player go again. This is not in-depth at all. You've seen the type of thing. And therefore, I started by saying, well, another Wembley performance, alluding to the fact that um, Aspas had produced one of the late goals um, in the friendlies uh, last year, which helped build towards this. When England were winning 2-0 with about five seconds left, and one way or another, Spain managed to draw. I've talked about it before in this World Cup series of podcasts because Andrew Herrera, who spoke to us on the big interview, that interview is still available for you, just at the end of the season, said that in his view, one of the things that made him absolutely sure Spain would win the World Cup was the spirit. And he said, look at that game where we got a draw when in a friendly when really it wasn't a disaster to lose to England at Wembley. But we got a draw, two late goals, and what's more, he said, you should have seen the spirit, the celebrations at the end. Anyway, Aspas produced one of those late goals, and he's now got just an extraordinary record. His goals come flooding from just two starts, 
I think he's appeared for Spain 13 times between competitive and friendly internationals. He's got, you know, minutes by the handful, not the bucketful. And yet, I think that's his sixth, seventh goal for his country. His goal to minute ratio is just astonishing. He's beginning to behave like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did for Manchester United, and that's not nothing. It's incredibly important to have not just a footballer like that, but people with that mentality. And therefore, I said to him in the interview, you know, another Wembley performance, and he gave me a right good answer about attitude and mentality, and luckily I had this, and luckily I didn't. And then he said, you know, and I said, listen, what a sweet moment for you that you were able to rescue your country. And he said, well, even more so. You, you, you didn't know this, but I had my family here for the first time. And right enough, just before the interview on the pitch, he'd run off to behind the Spain dugout to pass, I don't know, a shirt or a training top, whatever, whatever it was, to a group of people who were leaning down. Little did I know that was, that was his family, and I think his little kid as well as his wife. Anyhow, um, by the time we'd done three questions, the, the last one was on my mind, which was to say, you know, traditionally, your next rival, Uruguay in Sochi. And he just stopped and he went, what? No. It's Russia and Moscow. Now, more fool me, when um, the hubbub of the end of the game and moving on to the pitch and waiting to see if Fernando Hierro wanted to be um, interviewed or not on the pitch, it, it had been the last time I checked, it had been Portugal won, Iran nil, and, and Spain hadn't won the group. Now, Aspas knew, even though this was just, you know, seconds later... Aspas knew very clearly that Spain had won the group and that the late goal for Iran, plus by VAR also, VAR, plus the chance that they had in the 93rd minute to win the match meant that Portugal hadn't done enough and that that sudden huge twist of fate had given a Spain side, which until his moment of invention, his moment of creative magic gave Spain a 2-2 draw against Morocco. Spain were absolutely guaranteed to be um, disappointed with the night, a defeat against Morocco, um, either elimination, which was still a little bit distant, but feasible, or path two, um, path two being, you know, not winning Group B, going next to Sochi to play Uruguay, and potentially having to face, likely having to face um, Brazil or Germany or France en route to an hypothetical final. So you now know this, listening to this podcast, you all know this because it's uh, the morning of Tuesday, wherever you are. Uh, the results have been clear. You've probably watched highlights of both games, assimilated the meaning of it all. But on the pitch, I didn't, and Aspas handled it really nicely. Uh, checked that he, you know, looked off camera to the press officer, checked he was right, and said, no, 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 we're playing Russia in Moscow, big game, big pressure. Gave me a pat in the arm and smile, and moved off at the end of the interview. And later I saw him backstage and said to him, thanks for handling that with such style. And I'd said to him, look, <laughs> live, you, you, you manage the group on the pitch and off the pitch too, so well done. So I don't mind laughing at myself <laughs> for any reason, and I don't think, like David De Gea said, I don't think anybody died as a result of it. So we'll take it as uh, part of the licks of uh, of live TV. But what about the performance? 
what about the the need for Aspas to produce something jack in the box I would tell you this you can easily reach for comparisons with for example 2008 the first game against Russia absolutely fabulous really played well tore them to shreds the second game against Sweden they won playing well playing better than that but they won in extremis if you remember David Villagol very late indeed third game against Greece turned out a, a B-side um, lots of guys got games lots of guys got their only competitive game in a tournament for Spain that day and for a decent chunk of time Greece were ahead and Spain had to again produce late goals now in the knockout rounds uh, apart from the penalty win over Italy it, it wasn't so it wasn't the same and then 1-0 in the final Spain played so well that Germany could barely get the ball so the comparison ends. But group stage in 2008, something similar. Group stage in 2010, well, much more suffering. An actual defeat against Switzerland, which Spain, this time, haven't had to suffer. Nerves tight against Honduras, but the, the way the game went, you knew that Spain were winning. You knew that they were going to set themselves up for a decider against Chile. But nerves stretched to breaking point against Chile, both before the game and during the game, until the strange, uncomfortable pact between the sides that if they, if neither of them tried anymore at 2-1 to Spain, both of them would guarantee that Switzerland went out elsewhere. But pff, nerves then, on the route to winning the title, stretched just as tightly as here in Kaliningrad. Then... What about 2012, the last time they won a tournament? Against Italy, a good performance. Um, a goal really quickly from Cesc Fabregas. As soon as Italy went ahead, a fact that Spain then talked about afterwards, saying it was vital not to let the Italians settle at 1-0. It was vital to get 1-1 quickly. Still, a draw in the first game. Uh, listen, sorry to Ireland fans, but all of you who watched it know that an easy victory, not just because of the scoreline but because of a host of different things against Ireland in game two and then a similarly crazy situation against Croatia where only the fact that Croatia began to tire in the last 12-13 minutes and Spain kept passing and probing and playing led to that late Jesus Navas goal and the fact that Croatia were eliminated, Italy went on Spain went on but there were phases in that last half an hour when, given the Italy result, given how Croatia were playing, given the points and the goal differences in the in the head-to-head in the in the group, Spain could very well have gone out in 2012 in that group stage until, well, it was balanced at 0-0. A defeat could have put them out. Now, they went on and they went on to win the final. And again, in the knockout rounds, particularly, for example, against France and then against Italy in the final, powerful, confident, taking chances, playing with verve playing with an absolute understanding and conviction of what their what their talents were, what their purpose was and that's not happening here now do we believe analytically that because training has been good, and I swear to you training has been really fantastically interesting, intense um, quick movement of the ball goals being scored unity on show all the time if you put your finger to the pulse of Spain you say the patient is very healthy 
in training at least. Then you look at the game and you look at, for example, I don't know what the possession stats for second half said, but the possession stats for the first half said 70-30 Spain. Now, that, you don't win on points for possession. We all know this. And everybody who listens to this podcast knows that I'm not braying or bragging about Spain's possession. But everybody on this plane knows that the possession is for a reason, that it's to be used for something. And one way or another, it's not the ball is not moving quickly enough in games. There is a tension on the ball, which is leading to mistakes. And, and still more importantly, teams defended as deep as this in the World Cup. Some teams over 2008 and 2012 defended as rigorously, aggressively as Iran have done, as Morocco did in the previous tournaments. And yet Spain opened things up. The quick fix for me would be to say, well, they had a genius then up front, David Villa. They had a genius in midfield, Xavi. They had another footballing genius in Andres Iniesta, who was respectively... I don't know, six years younger and then eight years younger, blah, blah, blah. But I think that there's enough talent in this squad right now for the ball to be moved much more quickly for positional play rather than um, the ball being moved rapidly until somebody with talent does something clever. That's where I think the main flaw in an attacking sense lies. This is not positional football with a sort of geometric pattern whereby once you pull the team that opposes you around often enough, Xavi or Xavi Alonso or Iniesta will de- deliver a killer pass. That's changed, and because Iniesta's 34 and Xavi is now no longer with Spain, that's gone forever. Therefore, it's going to be about a couple of things. One, when Spain score earlier, there's going to be a relaxation by those on the ball, and I think fewer mistakes. Two, what's absolutely important is that when Spain have the ball high up the pitch, there is more movement, quicker circulation of the ball, and more daring. That's really important to say. They do more daring things in the ball in training than they do on the pitch. There aren't enough risks. And third and finally, while everybody is an armchair coach, I'm going to stick to something that I said at the beginning, before the beginning of the tournament. It is imperative that Aspas starts. More about that after this break. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. While we've been talking, the scenery down below has been changing. I see cities and huge tracts of land float by us as Russia and is painted out underneath this airliner that is three quarters full where everybody's trying to sleep apart from the players who are variously playing cards or parties. Um and I'm thinking about what Russia thinks about us right now because the turn of events on Monday night and I guess this is now officially boo his Tuesday morning there is one hell of a party waiting for Spain in the Luzhniki Stadium in Moscow. They have to play the hosts. They have to put the hosts out next Sunday if they want to progress. They have had a little bit of luck, and you might laugh at this, but getting around Moscow, even if you're in a convoy um, with police outriders, has, I'm told by others, proved to be difficult. What I know from having visited their what seems like now a lifetime ago but three weeks it was getting around on a Saturday which is the match day minus one and a Sunday which is match day is a whole lot easier that helps Spain little details help Spain like for example the fact that David De Gea hadn't had to make a save or hadn't managed to make a save throughout the entire uh, group game until midway through the first half when already trailing um, to that goal or it, I admit it may have been 1-1 one, one at that stage. Spain allow another one-on-one -on -one chance, and they have saves. Was it, you know, top corner? Was it Gordon Banks, as we used to say when I was growing up? No, but it was one-on-one, -on -one, just like the previous chance, which had gone through his, his sort of despairing um, attempt to get a leg to it. And this was a save. Small details. You can say it was Aspas's goal, or you can say it was... David De Gea's save, or indeed you could say it was Iran's goal and VAR, which gave Spain the group leadership that they coveted so much. But he's in the mix. Nothing that's important for him. But back to Iago Aspas. Um, you'll have your views. Maybe you are all shouting at the microphone right now. Um, Asensio must play. Maybe you're all shouting that it's time to see, let's say, Rodrigo, who's had the season of his life, playing for Valencia, starting instead of Diego Costa. And others will be saying Costa's only had one game where he didn't score. Let him be. His goal won man of the match by the public vote, and uh, his goal, according to the person who wrote in um, for the man of the match award, and I asked this guy this question, so I damn well hope it's right, that in the last 15 internationals this goal's played, he's either scored or created a goal. So, given that uh, one of the Moroccan players headed Isco's header off the line, second half, and Isco scored, and generally had another dominant game, the type of game which, if Spain go to the final, could even end up with Isco winning the, the golden boot or the, the player of the tournament. Anyway, that's too far off to be talking about. Please pardon me that speculation. It's tiredness and the fact that I haven't had any coffee tonight. But if Isco is playing like this, goals and goal chances will come. Some of you will be saying, just be patient. 
Well, my contention is this. Aspas isn't David Villa because they are different types of footballer, but he's David Villa-esque. Aspas has magic in his boots, and he has what I've been complaining about a little bit over the last few days, and a happy ability to take risks. Even if he's playing in a bounce game or for his beloved Celta Vigo, which he just thinks he owns, captain, leader, talisman, icon, or he's playing for Spain in the World Cup, the ball for him is to do something special with. He's not conservative. He's light on his toes. He treats life with light glee. He's funny. He's happy. And when he's on the pitch, you see the difference. Now, whether it's time to give, let's say, David Silva a rest or Diego Costa a rest, i.e. whether Aspas plays wide or down the middle, it's his time. He's a special footballer. Spain have played, what, four games in the last, I don't know what, their, their warm-up game was probably something like, let's call it the ninth against Tunisia in Krasnodar. And on two occasions, Aspas has scored goals in the last two or three minutes to give a victory or a draw. That might leave the temptation to say, leave him as the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer of Spain. I say no. I say that his association with either Silva or Iniesta, whichever of them stays in the team, um, because Aspas plays um, his association with uh, Busquets, his association with Isco, means that special things will happen. They call it in Spain, abrir la lata it's using a tin opener to cut open a tin. That's what they call it when a special player has got that little bit of magic to make sure that half a metre of space or a metre of space is enough to damage the opponents. His confidence is absolutely blossoming he believes he's an out-and-out Spain player, and I think it's his time. I think that the moment against Russia where, from my point of view, their first-time control isn't sensational, where certainly they're powerful, they're quick, and up until the game against Uruguay, they were scoring goals freely and they were confident. All of that aside, they, they give spaces. They do not play like Iran and Morocco have done. And it's my personal view that Aspas will just lap that up. So what else is wrong? I like something about Fernando Hierro, um, and that is that he's got that little touch of things happening for him. When David De Gea made that mistake, Hierro against Portugal, Hierro came out and defended him immediately, said, we have faith in him. There's absolutely no chance he's not starting he's one of the world's top two or three goalkeepers. Again, without over-egging it, when De Gea had to make a save um, against Morocco and Kaliningrad, he did that. It's quite clear that now um, Aspas has been brought on late in games twice by Yero. I've mentioned it each time. He's produced a goal. Kudos to the coach. A slightly more controversial one is the fact that Nacho, when he played, was... An absolute obvious choice, Carvajal was absent. It's Nacho's position to play right back. The fact that he produced a wonder goal against Portugal, I'm not going to give Yarrow a special pat in the back for that. Where I will give a special pat in the back is that it was a difficult decision to drop Nacho. Carvajal's match sharpness in the first game, which was against Iran, looked something that was at least a risk. As the game went on against Morocco, Carvajal got better and better. 
What I like about Aspas, and I don't know if your television set showed you this, my cameraman spotted it. Aspas does a little job of sort of hands in pockets, sauntering around, whistling nonchalantly like, nothing to see here, to the Morocco defenders as he mooches about the penalty box, trying to look as if he's not interested in what's going to happen next. But he shows where he wants the ball, Carvajal delivers it, and Aspas's run, having told the supplier what to do, is perfectly timed, he's onside, the finish is flipping glorious. Now, kudos to the coach again that it was Carvajal supplying the late cleverness, being fit enough, being sharp enough to do what he does for Real Madrid. I said to Nacho post-game that that's the mark of champions to score late goals. And Spain have consistently done it during this era when they've been one of the world's great teams for a spell between 2008 and 2012, the world's greatest team. So... So far, Hierro's been getting it right. Now, does he have the right touch in what feels like a long gap between Monday night and Sunday afternoon when the next game comes along? We'll see. As the days go by in Krasnodar, I'll keep you up to date with what's happening, who's in form, about the laughs, and we'll take a look at events elsewhere in the World Cup as things come to a climax in the other groups. It'll take me time to get a look at Iran and Portugal, but I want to speak with you about that once I've seen what happened. Um, a lot of you indicated to me via social media and other means that you felt Cristiano Ronaldo was at risk of a red card. Well, I want to see it, make up my own mind. I believe he missed a penalty. I believe that Iran had a late chance in the 93rd minute, um, which could have put Portugal out. So let's have a look at that tomorrow. For the meantime... The uh, inverted commas glorious news is that Fernando Uero is a taskmaster and even though it's going to be, again, something like 6am before any of us are in our beds in Krasnodar, some beds in that situation being far more luxurious than others, it's training at midday, which means uh, being up about two hours beforehand for us because it can be about an hour's journey to the training ground and you want to be at training at least 40 minutes early so you see the early drips and drabs of players who come out to play with the ball before the session starts get good get a good position for yourself ah, listen you know I'm not playing I'm not asking you to play the world's smallest violin and feel sorry for me I'm just just the facts ma'am just the facts so Tuesday means high temperatures more work a day off for the first teamers fair play to them but we're at work in, oh, I don't know, <laughs> five or six hours from now. So when you're listening to this, laughing at me, also look, have a little sympathy. This is great. It's a good job to have. I hope I'm entertaining you. I'm certainly telling you the truth, as far as I see it. But if you want to spare me a little thought, say, for a bit old Bumper Graham's sweltering in the heat there and wishing he was in his scratcher. And you'd be kind of right, but I wouldn't swap it for anything. Thanks for being there. Tell your friends. Keep subscribing to the big interview. We need you to be there, not so that I've got somebody to talk to, but so that we can keep funding this independent podcast and bringing you, I suppose, stuff that is right from the front line and that you haven't heard before. Right now, viva VAR. Viva VAR. Viva La Roja. We're still alive, baby.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.